Welcome to the Faith in Real Life podcast, the official podcast of First Baptist Church of Fallon, Illinois, where we talk about truths of the Bible that are relevant to your life and faith. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, This week we're talking about struggles in marital and relational um, areas of life. And so this is continuing our struggle series where previously we talked about financial struggles. And so we're excited that you're with us today. And I am joined by Bryce McGuire. Hey, and Aaron Walling. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Is that going to be your thing? I don't know. We'll see. And (laughs) and you are? And I'm Obi. I'm the pastor to young adults. So we've got Bryson, who is, um, well, I'll start with Aaron. Aaron is our pastor to men uh, and 30s and 40s. And then a few other hats we've tried to give you. Oh, it's, it's, I get a new one every month. It's two great. or three other jobs, and so we'll cook some other stuff up for you, see if we can. Uh, and then I started with you because for Bryson, I was going to say he's our student pastor, and he is for like how many? Like two more weeks. Two more weeks. Mm, two is more it, weeks. It's not even as of this more, recording. It's less than two weeks. It's less than two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I kind of want you to give like a farewell speech to our audience because, as far as I know. Um, you're not going to continue doing the Faith in Real Life podcast. No, I don't think you want me to. Yeah, it would probably be a lot more technologically <laughs> difficult. Um, so, Bryson, what do you want to say to people? Man, we've had some good times. <laughs> we had some COVID times. Yeah. Do you remember when we used to have to, like, um, it was like I would be at home and I'd had to record it to my computer via, like, FaceTime into the podcast. And then I do remember it, that. That was awful. Um but I just want I just want to throw this out there that part of this podcast was my idea. So oh, anyway, like what? <laughs> Having a podcast. So in fairness, I already had a podcast, Bryson. I had YA adulting, but I, I made it S-Y-A better. Adulting, you did make it better. I agree with that. I'm just kidding. I had SYA adult competition. SYA adulting. No, I just like the uh, history of things to be. <laughs> correct. And then it was asked to uh, make it a church-wide thing because it was going to be for young adults. And then uh, Bryson, yes, uh, there's a lot of this, Mm -hmm. like changing the title. So I liked adulting, that type of title. It just fit my my demographic that I minister to. And then uh, you and I think actually Missy landed on the final title, right? Mm -hmm. We did. So so which part of this do you feel like was your idea? I just want (laughs) to... I just want to get that out I actually really there. don't know. I just remember I had several conversations with you. Okay. Actually, if you go back and listen to some of the originals, I think like at least the first eight or nine episodes are just you, Obi. Yeah, they're more and awkward is what you're saying. No, they're, no, <laughs> they're, but I think you call it SYA adulting and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, so I've just been happy to be a part of it. It's been fun. I like podcasts, so. Yeah, it's been good to have you. And uh, uh, you're the one who, here, I'll give you some credit for this. Um, that, cause it's historically accurate. I have no problem giving him credit. I just, when he said it was his idea and just, there's been some times that I, I felt like Bryson should give me credit about an idea and he, he didn't not in public. I'm talking about me and him personally. He, he would give me uh, public credit, but, but like behind the scenes, me and him talking, I'm like, Bryson, you know, that was my idea. Um, but the idea to start doing larger series Mm-hmm. That was definitely your idea because I don't Twice. often think uh, six months in the future like I should, and Bryson does. And mm. so, uh, oh, reason- bro, I'm so far in the future. You uh. don't even know. <laughs> oh, you're from the future. <laughs> I said I'm so far in the future. Mm. I'm, I'm past six months, man. That's exciting. I knew where this podcast was going to be 
you know, in five years. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> you knew you're gonna be uh, abandoning no it. moss. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed it. So, uh, so then that'll leave me and Aaron, uh, because Bryson again is abandoning the pro- uh, podcast. So and I'm just kidding. We're, we're very happy for Bryson. He's going to plant a church. Oh yeah. We didn't actually say why I was going. <laughs> well, I think we did last time. Yeah. In case you didn't know, I'm, yeah. I'm stepping away to be a church planter in Denver, Colorado. FBCO is launching, sending me. And, uh, so very blessed, very excited. And uh, for me, Denver's home, so I'm excited to to be there. Not literally where I'm from, but I just it feels like my home. So yeah, so we're happy to partner with uh, partner with you, and um, healthy things grow and multiply, multiply, and so mm-hmm. that's an exciting thing to for our church to get to be part of, and know that um, people will be reached by the gospel, and we'll we'll get to be part of that through you. Um, so God, God will prayerfully use you and and your wife Sarah oh, yeah. in mighty ways. So we're yeah. excited about that, and that'll leave me and Aaron, and we're gonna need to. Probably find a third, maybe. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we'll be we'll be scouring the staff and see who has an extra hour or two per month um, that they can give to us, and so um, I have to, you know, bribe them with some lunch or something every now and then. See, I take the opposite approach. I think we should interview people and be really harsh critics. What do you think? I, I don't know that we have that uh, ability. That much draw. Yeah, <laughs> we're not that desirable location to go to. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll just be like hard on the first person and then we'll see if they just run screaming. All right. Well, now that we've lost all of our listeners, uh, let's go ahead and jump into kind of our discussion on uh, struggles and specifically marital and relational struggles. So uh, I want to begin with this topic, and that is your own experience. So what has been your experience in the arena of relational or marital struggle? And this could be you personally, or it could be something that you've observed or counseled uh, with someone. So let's start with you, Bryson. Mm-hmm. Um, you should you should go first yeah. uh, because like see oh, I got honor some, this week. I got some stories for you guys. So when I read the question, my mind immediately went to dating. So I'm 28 years old, been married for five years, had dated Sarah for two years before that. Well, you know, two, two years. And you're of, a youth pastor. What is that? So that your had mind to, went to dating. I mean. No, that, no, that's not, that's not where my mind okay, went. Right. No. So, but been date with her for seven years, just for context. I don't miss like that season of, of like looking for a spouse. Like I just really don't, man. I have, I have some dating horror stories for you. I once went on a date and the same night with two different girls and did not know that they were dates. Um, once ha- went on dates with another, a different girl. So girl I kind of want you to unpack the first one before we move on to the second one. <laughs> Basically, I I was a I was a bit of a flirt back in the day, mm-hmm. and there were these. I was just very polite to people too, right? I was just like I wasn't the guy that was afraid to talk to girls um, in college. Like I was just I just wanted to be friends with people. I just really did. And so there are these two girls that I really didn't know that they liked me. Um, and, oh, man, I really shouldn't tell this story in case just on the off chance anyone listens to it. But um, but anyway, so one had said, hey, like we were in a class together at school. Said, hey, you want to meet up at this coffee shop for um, just to study? And I said, OK, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. And then like that same day, a different girl had texted me and said, hey, would you want to get coffee tonight and hang out? And I thought, man, I'm already going to be at a coffee shop tonight. So from like seven to nine, I was with girl number one. From like nine to 11, I was with girl number two. (laughs) And they both thought it was a date. And I had no idea that they liked me. And Mm -hmm. anyway, let's just say I was with the least popular guy after that in my college ministry. Yeah, Um, no kidding. But anyway, the best story for me was I was dating Sarah. 
And this has this is nothing. Not she was girl number two at the coffee shop. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Zara was not girl number two at the coffee shop. I have so many. I could do a whole podcast on my horror stories of dating, but the best story for like that is just anyway. So our college ministry met in this like kind of upstairs loft area. Okay, and so we we met out for Wednesday nights. That's when we did kind of uh, you know college ministry worship. And I was running late because I had just gotten off work. And Sarah, I was dating her. And she had something of mine in her car. And so I texted her, hey, I'm going to come up. I need to get something from your car. And so I walk up and just kind of look. And I see this uh, girl. Her name's Kristen. She was a really good friend of ours. And and I see this girl from the back. She has long blonde hair. If you don't know my wife, she has, she has blonde hair. And I see just in her hand just dangling keys. And I think, okay, there's Sarah. She has the keys. So I walk up from behind her. Didn't want to interrupt her conversation. And I put my hand kind of a little bit on her on her hip and I grab the keys out of her hand and I say, thanks, babe, I'll be right back. And I, I kind of like <laughs> whispered it too. So that way I'm not like, you know, interfering with her conversation. I start walking away and something in the pit of my stomach said that was not right. So I kind of stop and turn around very slowly and I see our friend Kristen. Her jaw is just dropped to the ground <laughs> oh, and I goodness. see this girl that I have never met before, no idea who she is, just staring at me mortified. And I look over in the distance and across the room, there is Sarah looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I just like apologized profusely. I so gave her terrible. back her keys. I was so embarrassed. Let's just say this, and I'm not even exaggerating. She was a first time guest. She never came back. That is so. Yeah. Um, I, that has nothing to do with dating or struggles, but oh, that's that's a just, struggle. it's just yeah, a good story. The was, struggle of man. That was painful. <laughs> that is, to. It is painful, <laughs> but it happens to Sarah. Um, uh, Obi, your children would actually, Sarah's hair used to be a little bit more blonde and her, uh, your wife, Danielle, they had like both about the same hair at the mm -hmm. time. And um, Ezra would run up and like hug Sarah from like behind and be like, oh, nope, you're not my mom. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, so anyway, I just, I don't miss that dating season. I don't miss the struggles of that. Um, I, I think some, for, I have something similar, uh, but because my daughter is now the same height pretty much as my wife, and so when our boys have been acting bad, I'll like my daughter will walk into the room and I'll start talking about the boys like, "You believe they did this?" And I look like, "Oh, that's oh, my daughter." Like uh, that was oh, not for you. Yeah, <laughs> and she just look at me smiling like, "Yep, I get uh, yeah. extra information because <laughs> that's I look, awesome." Yeah. Yep. But um, but yeah, I don't miss that season um in a sense, but I think it's a good struggle to go through. I really do like, and then I have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys here at the church that are in that early twenties and I, I see them go through a lot of those same struggles. So it's been cool because I get to kind of help walk them through some of those things. Um, but, but yeah, just the struggle of desiring a spouse, but not being able to find a spouse, um, that brings its own struggles alone. And then, you know, um, trying to communicate with people and, you know, does she like me? Or, you know, if you're a girl, does he like me? And, you know, going on dates and trying to make sure you find that person that you line up with. And so um, anyway, so yeah, I, I will just say that that's that's something that maybe we don't talk about a lot when, when it comes to struggles. But man, that's a real struggle a lot of people have when with dating and relationships. Yeah, and there's a good book out there by Ben Stewart, Single Dating Engaged mm -hmm. Married, uh, married, and um, it, it it's a really good mm -hmm. resource I'd recommend to people. And um, I just always think of this dating process as it should be an interview mm -hmm. where you're you're seeing, is this person someone I want to commit to? Mm -hmm. And if it is, 
then uh, then go ahead and make that commitment. Don't waffle. Don't uh, sit there saying what if. Uh, I've counseled a lot of people even recently that really have that struggle. And and man, I just encourage people that once you've done the interview process, and that's a that's a topic for a different day maybe. Um, but once you've done that interview process, then uh, it's it's time to commit. But yep. have a real interview process. And then on the flip side of that is if you had a real interview process and the answer is no. Um, whether whether they don't uh, check one of these boxes, and I, I'll just go ahead and give the categories. I say, of course, attractiveness, but but then there's earthly compatibility and there's spiritual compatibility, and those are those are very deep topics, right? Those are high level topics, but they go deep. And so, if there's a no in one of those, or even if you get to the fourth step, which is commitment, and there's a no, mm-hmm. then it's best to end it and move on and not try to force something to work. Or if someone ends it with you because they feel like there's an incompatibility in one of those areas, then let them go. Yeah. You don't want to try to convince someone to be with yeah. you. So I just want, this I turned into a dating podcast. I know, what I, are we say, doing? I know Aaron, I know you guys some stuff on marriage. I just wanted to throw this out there. I'm not implying or insinuating that my marriage is perfect or without faults. But when you when I read the question, how did you struggle in relationships? I thought, man, there was no bigger struggle for me than like the 18 to 21 <laughs> years old. Yes. So anyway, I, I, but I know Aaron, you got some, you got some stuff like too. It sound like your problems yeah, were well, there though. <laughs> gosh, you talked about dating. Now, now my mind went to dating. It's like, I mean, my initial thing went to marriage, but as you've been talking, it kind of brought back some of my struggle. And I got married much later in life. Um, Kim and I were both much, much older in our thirties when we got, when we got married. So I had that protracted, that long yeah. period of looking for a spouse and, one of the things that that I had to get to before the Lord allowed my heart and um, to be in the right place was I have to be content with where I am, mm. and, and my relationship with the Lord has to be right. And so that struggle is, man, it's hard. Yeah. Like when when you want it, and it 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 can become an idol, and it did for me. And yeah. so um, that kind of brought up some some other things. But originally, my my thought was, man, as I'm thinking about our struggle in marriage, is like the constant reminder of how selfish I am. And like mm-hmm. my wife and I have very different personalities. We're in a lot of ways, we're polar opposites, um, which a lot of times is fantastic because mm-hmm. it makes us a great team. And like where mm-hmm. I'm strong, she she may be weak, but where I'm weak, she's strong. And so we can yeah. tag team a lot of things and it, it's great, but it can also lead to a lot of struggles and, and disagreement. Um, so I was just thinking about just one example of that is my wife is an extreme extrovert. Like she loves being around people. Like she wants to be around people all the time. Um, she's very relational um, and she thrives when she's connecting with people. Mm. I, on the other hand, <laughs> am not like that yeah. at all. Um, like, no, get me wrong. I don't hate people. Like that would be That's weird. That's what I thought I heard you as, say. You as, hate people. As a pastor, it'd be really <laughs> bad if I, if I didn't like people. I mean, I love people, but yeah. that's not where I get my energy from. So you um, love them, but from a distance is, well, I mean, we, <laughs> let's get close for a certain amount of time. And then I need to recharge. You know, Jesus did the same thing. He was, Oh, he was, oh <laughs> nice. Jesus was an introvert. Apparently good, good retort. I like he, it. He had to have those Just times being like Jesus, so, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so the, I need to be alone sometimes. And I, I don't mind staying at home um, and, and watching a movie or, or whatever. I, I need a break from people sometimes. And sure. so I have to walk this balance between what I need and what my wife needs. And, um, and the struggle is kind of finding where that balance is, um, especially so right now my wife is staying home to, to raise our daughter. So she's not around people very much at all. And so it's a struggle and a challenge for her to 
find those opportunities to be around people. Um, and so when I come home, it's like people, like an adult, I get to talk to an adult. I get, we can, let's do whatever, let's go do something. And I'm on the flip side of, I'm coming home from work, I'm tired, <laughs> I don't wanna go anywhere. Yeah. I just want to sit for a minute. And so that can, if we're not careful, that can be a, a like a, a place of strife and disagreement. And so mm-hmm. we, we have to be mindful of each other's needs. And it's not necessarily about one person winning and one person losing, but um, giving over of our selfish desires for the betterment of our spouse. And me knowing, man, today, I, l- let's go do something as soon as I get home mm-hmm. or let, let's go for a walk or let's do whatever, um, as opposed to let me just veg out on the couch for an hour and a half because I'm dead tired. Yeah. Like that's not going to be healthy for, for either of us. And so just kind of being mindful that we each have different needs and, and different um, personalities and realizing that those have to come together and be willing to let go of our own selfish desires is a huge thing in, mm-hmm. in marriage. And you, and I know you and I are both going to talk about communication in a bit, but uh, obviously you, you have to communicate with your wife there because where, where you could go wrong is you could never take care of yourself when you're tired after right. work. And where you also could go wrong is you, you never make sure your wife is uh, getting getting her fill of a need for adult interaction. Um, so, so yeah, you need, to, you need to communicate that. And there's days where it's okay, let's go outside. Mm-hmm. And there's days where it's like, no, I'm, I feel like death and I need mm-hmm. to lay on the couch for at least uh, 10 minutes. Uh, you know, give me, give me some time. So, um, so I didn't think of dating as much uh, for this topic and probably because I'm kind of in the season as a young, young adults pastor where I do a lot of premarital counseling. In fact, had two sessions yesterday with two different couples. And so, um, so what I really wanted to think of is um, the, I guess kind of the, the high level advice that I give people. And I, I say there's two things in marriage. There's principles and there's pressures, mm. right? So there's principles that get you through the pressures, but there's pressures that try to erode at your principles. And so I'll talk about the principles in a few minutes, but um, but the pressures that I see most regularly are finances, family, communication, and sex, mm-hmm. right? So, so those four pressures, because even if you say, like Aaron, you and your wife have different needs after work, um, well, that the, those are pressures, but the pressure is exacerbated if you don't communicate it, mm-hmm. and if or if you communicate but you do it poorly. So I just I'll start there with communication. In many marriages, there are there there's a difference, right? You said opposites sometimes they attract, right? right. Um, you may not have said opposites attract, but that's the famous expression, that's the right? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes they attract, sometimes they don't, but no two people are exactly alike. And and I usually begin my premarital counseling like this. I say, I'm not here to fix your relationship. I'm tell- here to like highlight that you all have all sorts of issues, but tell you how to work together to over a lifetime kind of work through these issues. And so with communication, oftentimes there's one person who they talk more than the other. Mm. And so the difficulty is that means that one side may feel like they never have a voice, right? And the real danger of that is there's going to be a time when they really care. Now, you, Aaron, you may not uh, talk. Is it fair to say you don't talk as much as your wife, right? Is she more talkative than you or you less? In general, she'll talk more than I will. At home, I feel like it's pretty equal. Okay. All right. Um, so, so let's say that there's a couple, though, that... Um, that one of them just talks a lot more and 
in most circumstances, the couple is okay with that. Like one doesn't want to talk, the other does want to talk. Okay, we're good with it. But in that instance where there is something to talk about, the one who is often quiet may either not be skilled enough to communicate their feelings or they may not have the courage to communicate their feelings. And so communication, Uh I I say it this way, it's a two-way street. It's transmit and receive. There's not just oh, I'm a good communicator because I talk all the time. And that's what people think. And and if someone's listening to that and they think they're a good communicator, I would just ask, does that mean you're a good talker? Because communication, if I'm trying to transmit something, like if you thought of walkie talkies or something, and only one side can talk, no one would call that good communication. So Mm -hmm. people need to transmit and receive. They need to talk, but they also need to listen. And they need to give their partner, their spouse, um, or to to go into the dating realm as Bryson uh, did, they need to give their boyfriend girlfriend the ability to talk, and that is important in the dating process because mm-hmm. it's an interview process. So um, communication. I won't go through all these in such length, but um, man, with sex, I have seen I have seen pornography and adultery tear apart marriages. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that, again, a a couple needs to communicate about. Um, There's a whole Bible chapter that talks about it. First Corinthians seven, go read it. Um, It talks about the expectation in scripture that, uh, that, that a married couple have sex. um, But then there's tons of ways to go wrong with our sexual activity. And so, um, man, this isn't the Bible saying don't have fun. This is the Bible saying that that sin is fire and sin will burn you. And so, man, it can destroy marriages. Mm-hmm. And then family, you you probably love your family if you're listening to this. I hope you do. But, man, there are so many pressures that family mm-hmm. puts on. Um, Bryson, you're going to talk about Genesis in a little bit, I think. And so maybe we'll get into this. Maybe we won't. But family's a pressure. And then finances. I've counseled some that uh, one of the people was kind of aloof with finances. They may be a, the big spender of the mm-hmm. couple. And then the other's the big time planner. Um, so, so all of those things are pressures. And the important thing for couples is to learn how to identify which are you or what, what problems are you having in this relationship? And then yeah. how can we work it out? And I want to mention uh, one more really quickly, a mild one for married couples out there is that oftentimes, uh, and I say it's mild, it's, it's more benign in its reasoning and that's where couples just get so used to each other that they just become roommates mm-hmm. and they've stopped having any passion for each other, stopped pursuing each other in love and romance. And so it's benign at the outset, but then it becomes uh, very devastating later on. And so so I just kind of leave it with that. Uh, anything to add on this, guys? No, I was just thinking about communication. And it It's one thing to, to say it, and it's another thing for them to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought about a story with my wife and I just just this week we were we were getting ready to go to the grocery store there was a dish we were gonna we were gonna do some kind of spaghetti dish and my wife asked if we had any spaghetti and I was like I, I don't know I, I'm sure we do so she's like well I think it's in the bottom left of our pantry well that's what I heard <laughs> apparently what she said was it's in the bottom left I don't know what shelf it's on so I looked in the bottom left, the very bottom left corner, and I didn't see it. And I'm like, oh, we don't have any, so let's go buy some. 
Well, it turns out we had about 14 boxes still from our pounding when we got here. <laughs> oh my so we are gosh. loaded That's in spaghetti. Awesome. Uh, and I don't know how we're going to eat all of that. Um, but Man, just I love spaghetti. one day at a time. <laughs> I will help you eat that spaghetti. I love spaghetti. If you're spaghetti. listening to this and you would like to meet Aaron and uh, his uh, introverted nature, he's got some spaghetti, spaghetti for you. Spaghetti dinner at Aaron's spaghetti house. Spaghetti dinner yeah, at Aaron's come, house. Come in case over. people don't know what a pounding is, that's kind of a church traditional thing when a pastor's new at a church. They give them a pound of something. And so yeah. you got a pound of Food. spaghetti noodles? We got about 14 pounds of spaghetti noodles. That is Hashtag blessed. pasta sauce and tuna which we'll never eat man you are so really what you're saying is you involuntarily became a prepper yes. and now you're like you <laughs> we're, are set we're good up. To, we're yeah. good to go and sure. if you gave aaron the tuna he greatly appreciates yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding so but that's the thing is just just because you think you said it right doesn't mean they heard it right and so you have to be you have to be mindful of how you're saying things too and not just like man i want this or or let's do this but think about how are they hearing these mm-hmm. words and and men and women communicate very differently, and men are terrible at deciphering in, like hidden meanings and messages. So, ladies, if you're listening, don't do that. We will never <laughs> get it. <laughs> you have to spell it out explicitly, or we'll never understand what you're talking so about. So, towards the tail end of this, I feel like uh, what you're trying to do is give Kim some hints that you've got to tell oh, me. Let's be honest, our wives don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> no, I try, I put it on in the car the other day and she looked, she gave me this like long glare and I just turned it off. I didn't even know where it's spoken. I just oh, turned it off. That's cold. <laughs> that's cold. All right. I am personally offended. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about, so th- those are some of the problems, right? So let's start to get some solutions for people. And so um, what have you learned from scripture, the faith, a believer, or any experience that you've had that's helped you through some of these these difficulties, and so uh, just kind of in the interest of uh, interest of giving Bryson the chair of honor today, since oh this is the last time. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. Um, you'll get first word each time, and you can even have the last word today if you want. Wow, I appreciate that. No, I take that part back. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I'm going to change my answer a little bit. Um, oh, on the fly from the spiritual on the uh, so on the, on the fly. So okay, here we go. One of the things that has helped me the most spiritually in relationships is actually having a godly mentor, Mm. a male mentor who's older than me. Mm. And I was going to go on and on about some things I learned in Genesis. And I'm not discounting scripture. I'm not trying to say that. Um, But just practically, I think something that we don't always think about with relationships is it is so good to have a godly mentor, someone that is older than you. And it doesn't have to be substantially older, but it's good to have someone who's walked through a little bit more life than you that you see them following Christ, that you can learn from them and their wisdom and also their mistakes. I have avoided probably some marriage pitfalls that I could have easily stepped into because I have a mentor. I have actually a couple mentors, but one mentor in particular who I, I really talk to a lot, a lot about these things, who has been like, man, like here's what I did, you know, and here's what here's what I've learned, here's what the Lord taught me. And so I like to think that my marriage is stronger because I stand on his shoulders. And then who can I one day teach? So, of course, my children and um, others in ministry, you know, that, that God allows me to minister to. Um, but who can I pour into that they can learn from my mistakes so that their marriage is even stronger? Um, and so I would just say, you know, if you're listening and you're married, you know, I'd encourage you find a godly mentor. Find a man or a woman, you know, someone that, you know, your, your same gender who that you can go to that you trust and respect and also too, um, man, you don't have to be married to start. If you're in, in the dating process or the wanting to be dating or engaged or anything like that, man, it is good to have someone to walk alongside of you um, 
for not just, I mean, maybe for a short season, but man, a long, a long span of your life. That'd be, I think it'd be a very beneficial thing for us uh, to grow spiritually in this. Yeah. If I could emphasize a part of your answer, the godliness aspect, because people, people often seek advice and they don't necessarily consider the source. Oh, absolutely. So a godly mentor, I like how you said that. Um, look and see how has their relationship demonstrated mm-hmm. Christ, not just, oh, there's a person that I'm close to and they're older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a, a great uh, great resume for mm-hmm. being your mentor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate that. What about you, Aaron? Spiritual stuff. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing I've learned in, in relational and marital struggles is that ultimately it starts with a relationship with the Lord. Um, that if that's not right, it, then none of your relationships are going to be right. If we aren't submitting to Christ, we aren't capable of healthy, loving, and fulfilling relationships. Um, that we're all selfish, and I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't know how selfish we are until we are met with some marital or relational struggle. Um, when our spouse or friend wants to do something or buy something or go somewhere, and we don't want to do that at all. How do we handle that? Mm. You know, if we're not walking in Christ, we're going to face some very serious issues when those things come up. Um, sometimes those boil over into a heated argument, but sometimes, and I think this is often worse, it simmers under the surface um, and breeds resentment. And then so this this little thing um, that isn't that necessarily that big in the moment can boil over, and 30 years l- later, it's this huge argument that, that the other person didn't even know was going on. Um, and so I think I think we need to be mindful of how our walk with the Lord is shaping um, our relationship. That if we don't take um, our selfish thoughts and desires captive and hand them over to Christ, we're we're setting ourselves up for some some big um, big trouble mm-hmm. in our marriage. Um, when I when I think about what I've learned from Scripture, I typically go to Ephesians five, and um, it's a it's a loaded passage that um, that's often misused and misunderstood. And yep. our culture today, we tend to home in on wives submit to your husband, and we get been all all bent out of shape about that. But when we do that, we actually miss what Paul's actually saying in the in the passage. And the larger point of the passage is that marriage is a picture of our relationship with Christ in the church and that mm-hmm. how the church relates to Christ is how we relate to our spouse. And that loving relationship gives us a greater understanding of our relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep that at the forefront of our mind when we're um, going through things with, with our spouse. Um, but also the thing about that chapter is Paul begins the chapter by reminding us that we're to be imitators of Christ. Mm. And he uses the exact same language at the start of the chapter that he repeats when he talks to husbands um, in dealing with their with their wives. And and so like our walk has to be um, in the same love that Christ showed us. Um, and our our love to our spouse has to be that same love, and that we're willing to to give up of ourselves and all of ourselves and lay down our lives for our spouse and mm-hmm. all that that entails. Um, and then if we're not willing to do that, we're gonna we're gonna run into to some issues and um, in the beginning, before he ever gets to the marriage part, Paul lays out like all these things that we're not supposed to do, like mm-hmm. sexual immorality and foolish talk and crude joking and drinking in excess, walking in darkness. And the truth is if we're, if we're fleeing from all those things, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, then it gets a lot easier to submit to one another out of Christ and to actually love our wives the way we're supposed to yeah. because we're not, chasing after all these other things right. that the world says we're supposed to do. 
Yeah, good stuff. And um, and so Ephesians five is one of those that I use anytime I'm uh, going through premarital counseling or marriage counseling. Uh, also speak on First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter, uh, Genesis one and two, and Matthew nineteen. And so for Ephesians five, uh, what people often overlook is um, it tells us to submit one to another, right? So yeah. there's a there's a status of deference and submission. And what I often hear men, uh, so I think women get upset by this and men, uh, men take it the wrong way too, though. They may mm-hmm. not get as upset, but they may feel like they have some sort of authority over women in an unhealthy way. And so I, when I do biblical or when I do marriage counseling, I always say this, do you think that the God of the universe put that verse in there where it says, wives submit to your husband so that a man could sit and be lazy on a couch and say, woman, bring me a sandwich, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Like if, if they think that's why God, the God who created all things and died to save people, put that in scripture, man, they're just mistaken. Right. Of course, yeah. we ought to think if a woman is supposed to submit, what is she supposed to submit to? And men often wrongly think that it's just referring to decisions. And it's not just decisions um, because I'll just say this, my wife's my partner and if I'm just making decisions on my own, then man, I'm not respecting her at all. And, and I'm a fool who's, who's just ignoring the most invested counselor that I could have, who is also wise and has her own perspective. And Uh so she's my partner. We make decisions together, but if I'm to lead anything, then I'm to lead in godliness and holiness and pursuing Mm -hmm. the Lord and uh, raising up my children in scripture and prayer and, and all those things. Like if there's anything good and if I have any strength at all, then it ought to be to pursue God and to get my family to follow after me. And then wife submit to that, be his partner in that. And it really goes back to Genesis one and two. When you see the creation of Adam and Eve, and I always point this out that um, in Genesis one and two, when, when you think about the just the fantastical claims of Genesis 1, that it's like God spoke and mm-hmm. everything started existing. Mm-hmm. And then you think, okay, well, what's he going to talk about next? Marriage, mm-hmm. right? Of the whole big book that I always say is so big that most Christians don't read it, right? <laughs> yeah. This whole humongous book, you have, I created all things, and then I created marriage. Yeah. And that's just that should tell us how important it is to God. But then we should also look at but what did they do? So another phrase in Genesis 1 that really bothers people is the word when, when he uh, creates Eve, it says he, it noticed, God noticed that man, it, that he was alone, and so God creates a helper for him. Mm-hmm. And so that bothers people too because mm-hmm. it's kind of that same type of submission thing. So then I again have this conversation. I'm like, do you think that the God of the universe created Eve just because Adam was lonely and he needed a subordinate? Right? Again, that's absurd when we say it that way. So him being alone had really, I don't, I think it had some to do with companionship, but not as much as we think. I think God saw all the animals that there, there was companionship there and says, there's, there's no one to do the work with Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam's, I've tasked Adam to, to name the, ad, uh, the animals, to subdue creation unto himself, to, to have dominion over creation. And and Adam is doing all this work alone. And so he creates a helper for Adam. That doesn't mean he created a tyrant and a serf, right? What it means is he created a partner to do the work of the Lord. And so it, at that time, the work of the Lord was to tend the garden, to, to subdue creation. 
we have work of the Lord to do now. Mm-hmm. And so when we see, why do I get married? It's, if, if we get stuck in the loneliness part that it wasn't good that Adam was alone, then we've made marriage a selfish thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when marriages end. Mm-hmm. That's when marriages have difficulty. If I say, I'm just in it for me. Um, but we need to go to the next part of the verse that at Eve was created as a helper. Well, for what? To do the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So why do we even get married in the first place? Why, if there's someone listening who's dating and or wanting to date, and they're like, well, how do I go through this interview process? If, if someone is out there and they're looking for anything but a partner in Christ for life, then they're looking with the wrong lens. That is the goal of dating, to mm-hmm. find a partner in Christ for life. And then that's the purpose of a marriage. So if someone's out there and they have marriage, uh, they have this idea that it's just for me and they don't fulfill me and all this stuff. They have the wrong idea of marriage. That Mm -hmm. person is supposed to be a partner in Christ for life. And so uh, that brings me to the point I wanted to make is I've heard this before and I actually sat in a counseling session once with another pastor and he asked this question. He said, I just want to ask, do you love them anymore? And I just like, like I just got all sorts of tense because I was like, that's one of the worst questions I think a pastor could ever ask. I don't care if you love them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mean this to be harsh, but I do mean it to be stark. I want people to hear this. If someone is out there and they're having a marital difficulty and they think, I just don't love them anymore, then I want them to very clearly hear my voice in their head saying, I don't care, because that's not what marriage is about. And we have this really weird notion of emotional feeling-based love that is supposed to drive marriage. And that's terrible because if that's all it took, then we would just go enlist every teenage couple that is out there that just has all these romantic feelings. We'd be like, well, go get married because that's all it takes. You just have to be head over heels attracted to the other person. That's, of course, absurd. And they know from secular studies, and I read this in the Five Love Languages book, that um, that the two-year and people probably know this statistic, but there's the two-year um, period where you have that romantic obsession in relationships. The question is, what do you do after that? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we can look to Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, and all those those words that says love is patient, love is kind, all those things, I won't read the whole thing, but they're all action words. They're how you treat a spouse. And then what people don't often go to is the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, the first two words say, pursue love. Mm -hmm. Now, if love is just a feeling that happens to me, I can't pursue it. I can't chase after it. But if it's an action, then I can. And so what people need to flip on end is they need to quit saying, I will act loving when I feel loving. Mm-hmm. Instead, they need to say, I'm going to act loving whether I feel like it or not. Right. And as I as I do the obedience of love, then the fruit will follow. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that that's just been so empowering to think of, man, sometimes you wake up and you just your spouse is not your favorite person, right? <laughs> okay, treat them with love anyway. Sure. Right. So all right, I, I talked too much there. No, what do you guys good, got? Man. It's good. No, that's good. Cause well, I was thinking like the end of the end of first Corinthians 13, that like love never ends or love never fails. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're in a relationship where like, well, I don't love them anymore. You didn't love them to begin with. Cause that's not what love is like. And the love that we're supposed to have for our spouse is the love that Christ has for us. And that love doesn't end. Like right. it's not something we're like, ah, oh, well I'm, I'm over it. And it, it just faded away. Like it's, it's raw. It's passionate. It's self, it's selflessness. Like, that doesn't end. Like you can't just like step away and go, well, mm-hmm. I don't love it. Like we're commanded to love everybody in that way. So we just sometimes have a, have a, like this 
warped idea of what love is. And if we don't understand what it really is, man, our marriages are going to be wrecked because it is this agape love of selfless. I'm giving myself over to you and I'm going to love you regardless of what you do. Right. Like once you get, if you can't get to that point with your spouse, your marriage is in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. cause they are going to fail. They're human. They're going to mess up. They're going to burn dinner. They're going to be late to something. They're going to whatever. They're going to wake up in the morning with bedhead and bad breath. And yeah. Like there's yeah. going to be something where you're going to look and be like, man, I really wish you hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. And you still got to love them anyways. Like that's, right. that's where you got to get to in a marriage because that love's rooted in your relationship with the Lord and nothing else. And so I think people have that wrong view because uh, things like Hollywood have sold the the Cinderella type love story that someone is just swept off their feet and there's love at first sight. There is no, there is no, there there's romantic obsession at first sight, but there can't be love at first sight ex- except for the action of love, mm-hmm. right? I, I I can treat someone with love when I first see them, but that's not an enduring love. Yeah. When you have a commitment in a relationship that I commit to treating you with love, and then at times. Uh, I'll have the I'll have extreme fruit of love, and at times I don't have it as much, and maybe that's because I haven't treated them with the action of love. So the the fruit has uh, dried up a bit because I haven't treated them with love, and so it's a different way that the world looks at it. The world looks at it as I will I will have the feeling of love, and then when I do, mm-hmm. I treat someone with it. Whereas the church and scripture says, no, you treat them with love. And then the fruit of it is exactly what it says, or the filling is the fruit. It Mm -hmm. it follows it. It doesn't precede the action of love. What are you going to add, Bryson? Well, I was going to say, you're talking about the fruit of love. I mean, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's the very first. That's mentioned in Scripture. It's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so it it kind of is is a humble reminder to us is that that on our own, we're actually really not capable of loving our spouse in the way that they're supposed to be loved, right? The way that Christ loved the church or, um, you know, and anything like that. And so I would, I would almost even argue that if you're not loving your spouse, you're, you're not exuberating, exuding, exuding. Is that the Mm -hmm. word? Yeah. Exuberant means excited. I'll be coming with the the dictionary again. (laughs) No, but you're, you're, you're probably not actively Exuding, exuding, exuding. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which makes you wonder then, then, then what are you living in? Um, and I think that's a really powerful question to ask. And so, the probably the hardest person to love sometimes is going to be your spouse. Also, the probably the one of the most important humans on this earth that you can love is your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I think it's a good way of it's it's a good gauge. Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I following Christ? Because if I'm not loving my spouse for all the ways that you guys just described then I'm probably not walking in the spirit. Right. And so anyway. And you're probably not treating your spouse with love. So th- then my challenge to people, if your marital struggle is this, that you feel out of love with your spouse, then don't start looking at them and nitpicking what they don't do. Start realizing that you may not feel the feeling of love because you're not exercising the action of love, which leads to the fruit of the spirit of love. Mm-hmm. So so pick on yourself, not your spouse, yeah. Yeah. and do handle the things that you can handle, yep. which is treating them with love. And uh, if you don't know how, then find some ways to figure out your spouse um, about how you can show them love. Yeah. All right. Anything else on that one? All right. We've beat it to death. It's time to move on <laughs> to uh, advice. <laughs> what a way of, what of saying it. Yeah. Well, we, we said a lot of words about it. And That's so fine. I'm sure they're all appreciated by whoever's listening, not your wives, I guess. But uh, 
Danielle listens to this? I think so. Oh, good for her. I think so. What up, Danielle? Shout <laughs> well, out. We're one for three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one for three. All right. And then, uh, so next I want to talk about advice. So we've we've got the problems, we've got the scripture, and so now what advice do you have for someone going through this type of struggle? So, uh, yeah. I, I get the chair, man. Bryson. <laughs> I get the first seat. You are on the hot seat today. I love it. you got to start off well each time. I will, so I could, again, do a whole podcast episode on this. So shameless you plug. You hinting at that. Shameless plug. Well, I just, I have a lot of thoughts on relationships. Yeah, but I feel like you're trying to start a, com- a competing, competing podcast. podcast or something. By the way, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but for real, shameless plug. Uh, I I've done a relationship series. If you go to the uh, the first students YouTube channel, um, I have some some stuff on there. That how many how many messages did you do? I think six or eight. Six or eight. Six to eight. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned, especially in the culture we live in, one of the best pieces of advice I can I can give: understand your own identity in Christ first. But also, in addition to that, understand your gender identity, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like figuring out if you're a man or what. I'm saying like, like this is what it means to be a man of God. This is what it means to be a woman of God. And one of the things that I've I've found and I've learned, and I feel like the Lord's revealed in Scripture is that when you're a strong man of God, you're going to empower your wife to be a strong woman of God, and in turn, she will she will empower you. To be a strong man of God, and it's just it's a it's a very beautiful cycle um, that that goes back and forth, right? When I elevate my wife to the Lord, then she's going to elevate me to the Lord, and it's just it's like it's just this building up of each other. But a lot of times, is guys aren't confident in what it means to be a man, and I think women are being attacked in our culture and and their identity as well. I think we have a whole generation of young Christians growing up going, I don't know if it's even okay to say that I'm a man of God, woman of God, all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but understand who you are in Christ first, um, and then understand who you, what that means as a, as a man or as a woman, and really dive into that. The scripture says a lot. Genesis chapters one and two are powerful. I mean, if, I mean I, every time I read it, I learn something new. It is a very deep passage, but what I love is that it's a passage, passage written and when the world was in a state of perfection, right? Sin doesn't come in until Genesis chapter three, meaning that everything in Genesis chapter one and two, those are like the standards. These are these are God's initial intended designs. And he says a lot about marriage, relationships, um, sex, identity, purpose, all this kind of stuff. So anyway, that's my pithy, is that the right word? Pithy yeah. advice. Yeah. Uh, but shameless plug you should to my Google YouTube these channel. Before we, uh, before we have to. Man, words are hard, bro. Yeah, I, but I'm just saying, you like uh, put us on the spot whether or not we know how to define all these words. My personal lexicons. <laughs> um, so I did not do a lengthy uh, sermon series like you. I did a two-part series, but just on dating. Another I, shameless plug. Since I love I'm, it. Yeah, so our young adults. Aaron, uh, where your, where's your shameless plug at? It's coming. Okay. <laughs> I just want to point out that our young adults' uh, messages are famous in India. So, I oh don't my gosh, <laughs> one guy does not make it famous. No, 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 no. Let's let's move on from this. All right, we'll move on from that. People can uh, look it up themselves. All right, what advice you got, Aaron? Yeah, so I think the most practical advice I can I can offer is to remember communication and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of our problems in relationships are simply due to a lack of communication. Mm. Um, and scripture tells us that in marriage we're, we become one flesh, but that doesn't mean that we can read each other's minds. 
um, that I don't, I don't know why we seem to forget that so often, but we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, if we stop and we, and we talk things out, we'll probably discover that most issues really aren't that big. Um, and sometimes it, it takes to say, I'm saying this and you're saying that when you say that I hear this mm-hmm. and, and even break down what you're saying to each other of how I'm receiving it to get to a place where you can understand each other more. Um, and that's not obviously easy. We don't like to do that. It takes time. It takes effort. Um, it, it's not easy to do. Um, but it's helpful to say, um, I want to understand what you're saying to me better. So this is how I'm receiving it. Is that right? Is that wrong? Where, where's the disconnect? Um, and if we do that, it's a lot easier to get through, through certain issues. And, um, it's certainly easier, um, to address my leaving dirty dishes in the sink instead of the dishwasher immediately versus 30 years later having this pent-up frustration of feeling like I don't do anything around the house at all um, if we just talk about it beforehand, you know, and and don't let those things fester and don't because, man, Satan's evil and he will take any little thing Mm -hmm. and he will twist it and he will snowball it and it will become a big thing. And so, man, any time we're facing a struggle or – a disagreement to handle that immediately. Like don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, but even if it's not anger, if it's just disappointment or whatever, like voice that like your spouse needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise it's just going to fester in you and it's going to, it's going to be a bigger problem. It's going to change the way you view your spouse, yeah. all of those things. And so man, get all of that out. Like mm-hmm. I think Bryson, you said something similar your spouse is the closest relationship you have on the planet aside mm-hmm. from Jesus. Like that's the, that's the whole purpose of marriage. Like you are one flesh. You're supposed to be closer to your spouse than anyone else, including your kids. Mm-hmm. Like your spouse comes before your kids. They come before anybody else. So like cultivate that relationship and don't, don't hide things from each other. Don't keep things from each other. Lay it all out there. Be the most exposed you can be so that they can know who you are and you can know who they are. Um, because after 50 years of doing that, you're going to know each other at a level that will surprise everyone. Like that's the depth that we're trying to get, like continue to get deeper in your relationship and, and you have to talk things out to get there. Um, but also you have to be willing to forgive each other. Um, and like the message of forgiveness is throughout all of scripture. Like that's the whole, the whole purpose and that, um, Jesus tells us that we, since we've been forgiven, that we also have to forgive um, and, and not only that, but we aren't supposed to count the amount of times that we do forgive. Um, and that first Corinthians, as you mentioned earlier, chapter 13, like love keeps no records of wrongs. Mm-hmm. And so like, man, no matter how many times your, your spouse does something wrong or doesn't do what you've asked them to do, or doesn't take care of something around the house or whatever it may be, like forgive them and move on and don't mm-hmm. don't bring that up in an argument six months down the road or three years down the road like that doesn't help either like you gotta let you gotta be willing to let things go and forgive because th- otherwise you're just breeding resentment and bitterness and and so you you just you gotta forgive um because we're forgiven and yeah. you want your spouse to forgive you so you ought, like take the first step go first um like <laughs> they're not perfect understand that they're going to they're not perfect they're going to mess up and so like anticipate the the idea like you're going to have to forgive them at some point whether it's today tomorrow or soon like soon you're going to have to forgive your spouse so be ready love them even when it's hard 
um, because you do desire the same in return. Like you want them to love you even when you're hard to love, even when you don't deserve forgiveness, you want them to forgive. And so keep keeping all of that in mind that we're all going to fall short and that we, we have to forgive one, one another, um, and be willing to take the initiative and like, don't sit and wait for your spouse to, to come and apologize or go, go address it immediately. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to do. If there's something between you, go talk about it, bring it up, be the, be the one that brings reconciliation because you want that reciprocated because they're not always going to know how they've, how they've affected you. If, if they've messed up, they may not know that it, it disappointed you or let you down or hurt you in some way. So you've got to be willing to say, Hey, this is what happened. And also I forgive you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. So uh, I just, for the advice, I just kind of want to Uh, reiterate that it's principles over pressures. And so the very first principle I see in scripture is what we already talked about in Genesis 2, that husband and wife are a partnership. And so I mentioned the big four pressures, right? So finances, family, communication, and sex. And so you just talked about communication. And, uh, and, And so what if people approach communication thinking, that's my partner. That's my teammate, mm-hmm. right? If you just approach any of these finances, family, communi- communication, sex, and that's not to say that there's no other pressures, but those are four big mm-hmm. ones. When you think about why do people have uh, marital issues, those are those are big ones. Um, there's others, but those are big ones. But what if you approach those conversations saying, "That's my partner. That's my teammate." So, okay, finances. We have a, we have a different view, right? Oh, okay, so I, I I'm a spender. You're a saver. All right, well, how can we kind of use the strengths of both? How can we come together as a team and talk about finances in a way that that helps us both mm-hmm. and that that honors us both, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're a team, we're not enemies. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in relationships, you start seeing the other person as your enemy. And even, so you mentioned communication, even how we communicate, we come at the other person as if they're an enemy, as opposed to assuming the best from them and saying, how can I say this in a way that's not <clears throat> hurtful to them? How can I say it in a way that is, they are my teammate, and we're going to solve this problem together? So I'll give you an example. Um, I, I get home from work, and I, I'm like you. I don't want to think about other stuff, right? I especially don't want to plan events for a family. <laughs> and so that's really hard for my wife because that's one of her love languages is um, uh, time together. What's that called? Quality uh, time. Quality time. Thank yeah. you. It slipped my mind. Quality time together. And so she wants to plan some events. And as my wife, she has every right to plan events. And so we had to communicate and talk about a way to um, to solve this problem that she wants to plan details. My brain is detailed out. And, I, and I'm not wanting to be in work mode where I'm looking at calendars and trying to plan stuff. And so I just said, hey, what if you sent these to me at work when I'm planning calendar and I can mix these right in to my I'm already in the work mindset. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing that and it works. Hmm. And so just getting creative with how you communicate with each other that just because you have opposing views about something and you will. There's nobody who is is the exact same as their spouse, right? You have opposites. When people say opposites attract, every every couple has opposite mm-hmm. uh, something. There's something. And so the question is, okay, when you have these these characteristics in opposition, how can we as a team work them out to where both sides are able to to live with it? And it is that communication, seeing them as a partner. So finances, family, communication, sex. Um, I'll just mention on sex, 
be honest with your spouse about struggles. And then on the other side, if your spouse is honest uh, with you, then don't shun them. Mm -hmm. Don't shut down. Be glad that you have a spouse who is confessing their human weakness because uh, most of the rest of the population then just has a spouse that won't confess but still has struggles. Mm -hmm. And so have conversations with each other and help each other out. Um, And then what I wanted to kind of finish with was a relational order. So when I do some premarital or marital counseling, what I often see is couples have the the rankings or the the importance of different relationships that got them flopped. And so I'll just say it this way. The order of proper relationship is God, spouse, children, and maybe extended family, and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's in that order. And so when we start to get things in the wrong order, it starts to cause problems. So for an example, um, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God knew Adam and Eve individually before either of them knew each other, right? Mm-hmm. When Even when Eve was created, mm-hmm. Adam was asleep. And so God knew them individually. The most important relationship, as you all have already said, is to God first. It, it is to God first, irrespective of each other. And if the spouses are pursuing God, all the other relationships have a good foundation. But then it is spouse next Mm -hmm. it's not kids Mm -hmm. and man people get this wrong and i'll talk to the wives real quick out there if you see yourself as mom more than wife then i'm saying you have a relationship out of order i'm i'm just trying to be blunt with you you have a relationship out of order if one of my kids comes to me and says hey can i do this and i found out they already asked their mom they're in trouble and I'm going to, I'm going to discipline them and they're going to go apologize to their mom because Mm -hmm. they don't pit me against her Mm -hmm. and they better not pit her against me uh, because I choose her over them Mm -hmm. and they should want me to choose her over them because these are foundational relationships. God is the foundation. And then the foundation for much of society uh, beyond God or after God is the marital relationships. And man, you can, you can just look at statistics of this is when uh, people have things like broken homes, man, things suffer. And that's not to say that um, kids growing up in a broken home couldn't succeed. Not to say that at all. There's been uh, divorce in uh, my, my family tree history. So this isn't a judgment statement. This is to say that when we mess with foundations, there are consequences. It's not to say nothing can grow Mm -hmm. after, but there's consequences. And so it's God, then spouse, then children and family. And so another kind of uh, thing to point out from Genesis is when it says that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and the two will become one flesh. People often think that there's going to become this weird uh, joining of humans that it's like, oh, God no no longer sees uh, me and Danielle as two people. Uh, He says uh, it's not just Obi and Danielle, it's Obinel or whatever our relation. That's (laughs) That's your celebrity name. That's a terrible celebrity name. But but isn't that what people think of it? And that's not really what it means. It's talking about starting a new family. It's a new people, right? So that we leave our parents' house and now we have loyalty to a new person in a way that we previously had loyalty to our, our parents. And that's not to say we disrespect our parents. It is to say that I consider my spouse first. I consider God first, spouse next, and then kids, family, etc., and then other people. And we, we need to get the order of relationships right. And so that's a challenge I have for people. If they have the family pressure that's causing all sorts of grief, man, spouses, you may have to do a little gracious standing up for your spouse mm-hmm. to the other family. You may have to talk things out. Um, so getting that order right. All right. Any any uh, other advice or anything you all want to say? 
Y'all, y'all have got it all tapped out. Bryson, man, it's been good to have this podcast with you. Uh, maybe you'll come on as a guest sometime and give us a report of how your church is doing, things like that. Sure. Um, but it's been a pleasure. I'm going to have to find someone that doesn't mind me uh, being sarcastic to them because I don't <laughs> think you've minded it. You didn't mention it in your exit interview. So oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you, you've enjoyed it, and I'll take that as a cue to do more. Well, anyway, it's been great having you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. And uh, me and Aaron will uh, try to find – we won't find someone to fill your seat, but uh, – just post it, put a little picture of me in the empty chair in the meantime, okay? That's a big old fat good. head. <laughs> no. Ooh, we need to order that. Please don't. That's a good, Please don't. That sounds horrible. <laughs> and then I think Jacob, remember our, me our as producer, I producer, has enough like audio footage mm, to like, splice it together. Yeah, oh and make gosh. you say all sorts of things. So that that may be what we're going for. All right. Well, enough you of that. Ridiculous. Thank you all for listening to Faith in Real Life. Don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who needs a little faith in their life. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Real Life podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a rating in your favorite podcast app and leaving a review. It helps get the word out. If you are in the O'Fallon, Illinois area, we'd love for you to stop by and visit one of our church services in a small group, which we call Life Groups, in person or online. You can find out all the details about things happening in our church through social media and at fbcofallon.org. We'll see you next time.